All right. Isaiah 42 says, See the former things that have taken place, and the new things I declare. Before the spring into being, I announce them to you. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. That is the word of the Lord. He says, before they come into existence, I will announce them to you. What does that sound like? Sounds like a prophetic word, a word of prophecy. He says, see the former things have taken place and the new things I declare. So we, we look back at the former. We look at the Old Testament. Joshua, when they, when they crossed the Jordan, what happens? They set up stones as a, what? As a, uh, as a remembrance of what God did from that moment until they crossed the Jordan. It was a time of remembrance saying, okay, this is what happened. Remember what God did before he led us into the promised land. Remember what he has done for us as we move into the land that we were called to be in. How many of you guys want to be in the land that you were called to be in? To operate in what God has called you to operate in. To to be where God has called you to be. If you're here today, God called you to be here. Maybe not forever, but for today at least. And sometimes people don't understand that. that, that and as, it's hard as a family to have someone in our life and then they, they go away. And I'm not, I'm not talking about, um, you know, we, have, we lose people from, from death, from, you know, they move away. And it's hard to watch people move away. But God never called us to be a stationary body. God never called us to say, okay, well, I'm going to keep you all gathered into this one group. Sounds like a cult. God designed the body to bring people in and move people out, bring people in and move people out. And some of us may never be together for the rest of our lives. You know, we, we may not all be in the same room because God has different callings, different places that we should minister to. John, John how's China doing? <laughs> Um, anyway, I just, I like to play with John. I'm going to give you a little backstory. First time John spoke in tongues, it sounded like an Asian dialect coming out of his mouth. And so every now and then I tease him about how China's doing. Um, but God never designed our body to be all together permanently this way. We may all be here. Every one of us that are looking here, we may all be together, but there's going to be other people that come and go into our body. And they're going to, they're going to, come in, they're going to get ministered to, and maybe this is just the place that we minister to them to help them get free. And then they can go help wherever they are going to. And I I don't want to hold on to people. The more you hold on to people, the the more um, people feel like they're controlled. And so you have to look at it like, um, church has to be look at it like a family in, in some aspects of, when my daughter met someone that she wanted to marry, I had to let her go. It was hard, and I still give them a little bit of crap every now and then. But it was hard to let go. But at the same time, I knew there was something that had to change in our family. She had to go create her own family. She had to take a husband. He had to take her. They had to become one. And what happens is, is this, is the family grows from there. Grandkids come eventually, and, and we have to learn that... <laughs> Anything you need to tell me? Okay. Uh, no. Grandkids come eventually. You guys know that. They just start 
coming out of n nowhere, just like four of them pop up real quick. You're like, whoa. <laughs> Preacher yeah. Kaylee's like, I know where they came from. And <laughs> but no, they just, all of a sudden, there's just one, two, three, four. And you're like, and now there's five and six coming. <laughs> Not from you, it's okay. You know, but yeah, the other brother. But it's like that way in churches, we start to multiply, but we can't all hold on to them. We can't hold on to them. Do you want Lincoln to live with you until he's 60? No, okay. <laughs> So as, as a, a church body, as a family, we have to grow people and raise them up and to send them out to take new territory, to, take a, to create a new family. And that's what um, the church has done. The church as a whole has done a very poor job of is, is raising people up and sending them out. We've raised people up to hold on to them. Well, they... It's because, oh, well, their, their tithe leaves with them, and then all their, their anointing leaves with them, and all the different things. Oh, yeah, we forgot to do tithe, Sarah said. <laughs> we'll do that later. Um, but what happens is, is their tithe leaves with them, and people are afraid. Well, then, then we can't have the budget that we have, and we can't do that thing. You know what's great about our budget? We can give money away because we don't have to sit and pay for heat, a building, the light bill, all that stuff. Because what happens is this, we can raise people up, we can bless the community without having to say, oh, well, we need to do a fundraiser to, to pay our light bill. But as a family, what do we do? We raise people up, we get them saved, we get them delivered, and what we can do is we can send people out. We can send them out to be in the destiny that God has called them to be in. Whether it's in a small group over in Hart, whether it's in Fremont, whether it's in Hesperia, whether it's Shelby, wherever it is, they can help lead people. I look at our, our women, our Moms Connect. There's people that don't ever show up to this church. And there's some people that do. <laughs> you know what? Kevin and Keelan, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to embarrass you guys. These guys showed up because of Moms Connect. Because they met people that they could relate to and they talked to. And God was stirring in their hearts and moving in their hearts. Think about this. Just meeting together in a community building with moms to talk about how crazy your kids are and how they're buck wild sometimes and spilling Cheerios and snot bubbles. And it, but think about it. Was it worth it? Yes, it was worth it because some people, somebody came in, their lives were changed, and we continue to do that. We're going to continue to do that because we know God can move through those situations. We don't just have everybody come into church service and stay here. Yeah, thank you guys. We were really, you guys show up and haul Cheerios and snacks and all that good stuff and toys and wipe toys down. And Kaylee's like, oh. <laughs> and Kaylee has to tow all four of her kids with her, one inside of her and the other three on her arms. But, you know, that's still like toting a kid. You know, it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you still got to carry it. But as we grow, as we become who we've been created to be. God says, okay, now, I've, now that you understand your destiny, I understand your calling, now you get released to do what God has called you to do. But we, the church has done a really bad job of releasing people to fulfill their destiny, to, to do what God has called them to do. And what we need to do is we need to raise up people and not hold on to them. I can't raise my children up, and then continue to tell them how to live their lives. If they come to me and say, I need some advice, 
we're struggling with this or we need, what would you do with this? Like when they were, they've been looking for a house and they just come and ask us simple questions. I can give them simple answers. But if I told you, I need you to buy a house, this area, this way, blah, blah, blah. You have to live by me. You have to do this. If I tell my kids everything that they should do, are they really an adult or is they just still a child in an adult age? And what happens is control starts. They, it, it may not be control on our end. We're just trying to help them. Oh, we love them so much. But they're like, why are my parents controlling me? I'm freaking 30 years old and they're still trying to run my life. And it's like, no, we have to let them fail, let them learn how to do things on their own, but give them advice when they ask for it. And so as we grow as a church, we have to look and say, okay, our, how do we raise people up, help them mature, and then allow them to walk in the call that God has for them. A lot of times people want to place people in the call that they think is for them, and it's not that way. It shouldn't be that way. We have to look and say, what are you good at? What has God called you to do? And allow them to, to go into that lane. But what happens is we get in church, we get so afraid of that lane. It doesn't look like the lane that I'm in. It doesn't look like the lane everybody else is in. So how do we, we move them back into that lane? Because their lane's a little scary, a little weird. Sometimes it doesn't look normal. But God has called everybody to, to some area. So not everybody's called to be a minister in the church. Some people are called to be a minister in the local business that they work in or their business that they run. But we have to look and say, okay, how does God work? God has a few distinct things that he does. He sets us free. He delivers us. He's offered salvation to us. So we know that those are good. We operate in those things. We, we have to look at those and we have to say, okay, these are th the foundations of things, how we operate. These are the cornerstones of who we are. The so when God says the former things have taken place, those are great. The former things are there to remind us and to guide us on how we go. The Ten Commandments. It's really good. We use those to guide us into uh, how we should live, how we should treat other people. And then we look at the New Testament. Jesus says, love God and love other people. And so we have to use those as kind of a guiding, po guiding post of how we operate. But I was listening to something, and I don't remember what it was. It was something stupid that a Christian put out. And I'm just going to be honest. You guys never, have I never, have I ever not been honest with you guys? I'm just saying. It may not be the nicest, but I'm just going to be honest with you. It was something stupid that a Christian put out. And they were, they were talking about, you know, oh, you know, the, they were like, oh, the Asbury revival. It really wasn't a revival because there wasn't enough preaching. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, like, why are you being morons? I'm like, why are you so negative about what is a move that God is happening. And God said this to me. He goes, when we enshrine the past and how things happen, we limit ourselves and the idea of how God can move in our future. And I was like, I wanted to be like, send him a message, but I'm like, no, I won't. I won't. I'll be nice. But it was, it was the fact that they didn't think revival could happen because there wasn't a certain amount of this or a certain amount of that. I'm like, you know what? How do we know that they, they were referring to the, the Great Awakening and the Second Great Awakening of the, the 1700s and 1800s? And I'm like, that's great. But we also had a nation of people who had a reverence for God back then. 
even if they didn't go to church, they still had a reverence for God. They had a fear of God back then, which was a healthy fear of God. But in our culture, everybody's God. I'm God, you're God. And it's like, what, they, they make up their own little rules for whatever they feel. And when we start to put God into a place of, well, this is what God did in my past, and I need him to do it this way, and I, this is how God moved. If we looked and said, okay, God moved this way 15 years ago, we'd still be out in our pole barn. You guys would have blue shag carpeting and a wood stove that didn't work at church. And none of you would be here because that's how God worked. And he, that's when that we had the first move of God in our, in our lives and for the people around us. And if we continued to operate that way and we said, this is how, we, this is how God moved, and we said we have to just keep doing how this way, because God moved when we did this, this would not be going on. And what happens is when we enshrine the past, the past is good. There's some things we need to take from the past because we learn from it. But when we think that that is the only way we have to operate this way, we say, God, you can only move from itinerant ministers who ride around on horses preaching to small cities in rural areas and that's how your revival is going to happen because that's how the second great awakening happened so we can't put the past on a pedestal and say this is how god works this is how god moves because when he does this is how it's going to show up now we're seeing god break out in areas you know i was uh reading an article and it said it's funny that when the world throws the worship of satan on tv god breaks out with a, a, a revival a week later and a movie that breaks f almost 40 million dollars when it was estimated to make seven million dollars with the jesus movement think about this the enemy will say look at what i can do i'll show up uh, you're going to look at me worshiping Satan, people being weird, can't figure out what gender they are, all 560 of them, whatever there is. And they're like, oh, look at me, I'm this gender this day. And whatever, you know, if I had toast for breakfast, I'm this gender the next day. But God shows up and says, you know what, I'm going to move. Like you don't expect in a, in a small college in the middle of Podunk, Kentucky, People are like, oh, you know, it, it's kind of like, oh, what good can come out of Nazareth? God's like, look at Kentucky. People are like, oh, you're from Kentucky. You know, they make jokes. But you know what? God showed up in Kentucky and people flocked to it because there was something about it that they knew God was doing. And then a movie that shows up, people are like, oh, yeah, critics give it bad, but it shows up and makes almost $40 million. I don't know. It's probably, it might be more than that. I don't know right now. But God shows up and says, I'm going to make, allow someone to make a movie that's going to actually beat other box office movies from big actors because people are hungry for it. Yeah. You know, we, we've had this idea of what God is like. And we've had a, this idea of what church is supposed to look like. Because we've been raised in America and we're spoiled rotten, we're... We're used to, you know, six people standing up a stage and everybody doing this and this and this and this and everybody, you know, and the worship leader telling everybody to raise their hands and, and, and then the worship leader doing a 10-minute message in his worship session. And, and it's like, why do we stick to the routine 
of what we've learned when we should be open to what God is doing at that moment. So when you put the past on a pedestal, you're saying, God, you have to go and do this exactly the way you did it, the roadmap you used. And what happens is, is this, is when we do that, we're saying, God, you have to use the same people that you used 50 years ago, 100 years ago, because we're enshrining that moment. And God called those per- people for a season, a purpose, and a, at that time. You know, we look at the, the, the revivals or the Great Awakenings, and God used George Whitfield. I don't think God is going to raise George Whitfield from the dead to bring a third revival because, you know what? God has called us for this time, this generation. You young people, Nepper Crew, how you doing? <laughs> All of you girls, God has created something inside of you that is going to bring change to generations. That's going to bring change to your families, your children, your grandchildren. That God is going to create something amazing from what God has, has started in your family years ago. And so when, when you guys get married, have kids, there's going to be something new that happens in the way that you raise your kids. You know, we all mess our kids up in some way or the other. Come on, just admit it. You all mess your kids up somehow, you know. This one tells us she has trauma. I'm like, what? Trauma from what? <laughs> but we mess our kids up. In the best way possible, we try to have good intentions, but we mess our kids up. So we have to learn from our mistakes and learn what not to do. And our kids learn not what not to do from what we did wrong. The one spanking? Was it the one where you were running through the house screaming, Mom? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. Okay, you have to understand, though, is you've met my wife. She's pretty sassy and spunky. This is the exact duplicate of my, ch- of my wife when she was one, two, three, four, until 16, and probably till 17, and probably till the day she dies. She is almost an exact clone of my wife. And I can understand why kids were afraid of you when you were a child. Because I think Lana one time threatened to drag my face across the cement, and I was kind of afraid of it. I'm just playing. Just playing. No, but this is my uh, my child, but she is an almost exact duplicate of my wife. She's, yeah. I mean, they're ferocious. You get both of them riled up. It's like, oh, I just need to go to work. Um, But... We've messed our kids up sometimes. We do things. I'm just, it's, we have to be honest. We've, we've done things because we, out of our ignorance, because we didn't understand the ways that God wanted us to, to raise our kids. We've messed our, our families up because we didn't understand God's plan for our families at that moment. But what we do is this, is we, we learn from it. Our kids learn from it, and they change that. They can change that generational thing. The things that we, my wife and I, really good parents, Still traumatize a kid. But what we've done is we've changed from our parents. We've raised our kids different because we knew that there were things that needed to change. We made sure that our, we, we stayed married. We had a good relationship. Even when we struggle with our relationship, we made sure that we, stuck, we stood with each other and, and stand together because we knew that we were going to change how we were raised. And what our kids are going to do is going to change the way 
that we did things so they can raise better kids. So it's not like, oh, we just throw away what's bad, what, what happened. We learn from it and we use it to move on. But God, but, so when we, we, we take our guiding lines from the past and what God is showing us, what God has learned, but we can't say, well, this is how we raise kids and we're going to continue to do this and we're going to teach our kids to do it the exact same way. What does that do? That causes generational trauma, hurt, cursing, and people never get healed from it. You know, I, I don't know the gen, how many generations between me and her that were do, it was done the same way or that it continued on. But we make a choice to stop what is happening in, and say we are going to choose something different for our family and for our lives. So don't, dwell, don't enshrine the past so we limit God, what God can do in our lives in the future. Isaiah 43, verse 18 through 21 says this, Forget the former things. Wait a minute. God says, see the former things, and then he says, forget the former things. I'm like, God, what are you talking about? I want to think about this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? God is talking to his people, and he's saying, hey, you see the way that you operated the way. And, and this is a prophet of God talking to the people because nobody listened back then the same way. Nobody listens to God now half the time. We think we got it. And they're like, oh, we got this God. And he's like, yeah, how many uh, prophets have I sent you? How many judges have I sent you? How many leaders have I sent you to turn your hearts back to me? And I see when, when he's saying forget the former things, he's saying forget the ways that you used to operate in. Forget the ways that you have picked up from other religions, other <coughs> countries, other, you know, he told them not to intermarry when they moved in because he knew the false gods that would come into, his pe- into the, the, the encampment of his people. But he says, forget the former things. Forget the way that I operated in the past. Don't honor it. He's not saying don't honor it. He's saying honor what I've done, but don't hold yourself to the past. Don't hold yourself into the way that I ex- you expect me to do things. I, how many of you guys have ever been healed? How God ever just touched your body and you've been healed? Amen. How many of you ever had it twice? Same was it the same way? No. No. God's a little sneaky, isn't he? He likes to operate, but he doesn't ever. I've never seen God operate in the same way in my life twice. He will operate in different ways. And so when we, when we hold him to that way of operation, he's like, well, you're like, God, I just need healing. I need someone to come up and lay hands on me like they did 10 years ago when I was dealing with this and I, I'm struggling. And he's like, I can't do it over a conversation in your head. Think about this. We, we, we look at Jesus. Jesus said, she's well. And then that hour she was well. Jesus didn't even have to go and lay hands on that child. He just, he did it through proxy. He's like, you have faith, your child, you need your child to be well. Your child's well. And so when we think, God, I I just need this in my life. I need you to heal me. I need you to deliver me. And you're like, I'm waiting for somebody to come lay hands on me. Put their hand on my forehead. I fall back. I, you know, whatever it is. And God's like, I can do it just in a conversation. I can 
God is not looking for routine in the way that he moves in our life. He's looking for the consistency of us going to him. He's always there waiting for us to, to ask of him. But I think we have a routine of going to God, a, a certain way, a method of doing it. We're like, God, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to pray for five minutes and I'm going to worship for five minutes and I'm going to come to you and be like, okay, heal me. And God is saying, I want you to understand that the way that I work is not always how you expect it to work. I do work. And we have to look at the way that God works and say, okay, he always works. And we hold on to that. But we can't hold on to the, to the method of how he works in us. God, we know God is working for us. He's, he's mindful of us. He's, he's looking for ways to heal us, set us free, uh, bring us health and prosperity and everything that his scripture promises, but we cannot hold him to the mode of operation that he's doing it. So for you who are are dealing with something right now and you're expecting God to show up, just say, God, however you show up, you show up. Quit expecting him to move like you expect him to move. Just acknowledge that he will move. When we come with expectancy, I think so many times we use expectancy as, I hear this phrase all the time, people, we're expecting God to move. But inside of our mind, we're now formulating a plan on how he's going to do it. Well, the preacher's going to walk up to me and they're going to lay hands on me or this person's going to pray with me. We've got to get that out of our heads we ha- because in our minds as humans, we need to make a plan and understand how God is going to work. And we need to start to just say, okay, God, I'm expecting you to move. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know when you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. Yeah. Don't hold things on a pedestal that will keep God from moving in your life. And I'm not saying he won't move in your life, but we kind of control. God will always move in your life, but we try to control how he moves in our life. Anybody ever try to control God and it work out for you? No. When, when we try to control God, it doesn't really work out well. Because we tell him how we need things to do. He knows our needs before we need them. He already has every need that we're going to have in, his, in the supply for us. But we have to say, God, I'm going to let your plan work out the way it's supposed to be and not how I want it to be. Some, because I believe sometimes we go to God and we give him this road map of how things should be. We're like, I need you to do it this way and by this time. Ever, anybody ever had um, finances show up at the last second before disaster could happen? Yes. Because God shows up. So, but people want God to show up at 1.15 on a, a Friday afternoon and, and sometimes God shows up at Sunday at 11.59 and 50, 59 seconds when you least expect it and when you think all is lost, God works. But we want this comfortable envelope to show up in our, in our, in our uh, mailbox. It just says, oh, this is a blessing for you and this nice long little word that says, oh, God bless you. It, God just shows up sometimes in the, still, in the still of the night and somebody just rings the doorbell and says, this is for you. But we're like, God, it's, it's so late. No, he goes, but it's on time. Yeah. 
But God, I needed it yesterday. He goes, they're still going to accept your payment today. When, when, when you think all is lost, God shows up. When you think it's the last second before, when you think everything is going to hell in a handbasket, God's like, no, it's not, because I'm going to show up. And you're like, but God, it, it, it's too late for that. No, he's like, it's never too late for me. If he can change our financial circumstances, he can change the mind of the people who are asking us for the money. If he can change our, heal, he can change our physical body and heal us, he can change the way that he operates and, and moves without us controlling it. So quit enshrining how God moved and quit, oh, this is how God moved. I need him to move this way. No, expect God to move and say, it's not how I want, but how you want. Like he said to his father, it's not my will. It's not how I want it to be. Because Jesus said, if you can take this from me, let it be. But if you can't, and if you won't, I submit to your will. Our will has to be submitted to God. If we can't allow God to move how he wants to move, who is God in our life? Allow God to answer your prayers, your alms, your request, everything that you are talking to him about. Allow him to do it, but don't put restraints and restrictions on him. Psalm 68 says this, Sing to God, sing praises to his name, but lift up a song to him. Excuse me. Who rides through the desert, his name is the Lord. Exalt him, father of the fatherless, protector of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. God settles the the solitary in a home. He leads the prisoners prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched them through the wilderness. Think about this. He says he leads the rebellious into a parched land. He leads them into a parched land. I think sometimes we sit in that dry, dry spell in our life because we're waiting for God to do something, and he's like, I gave you instructions. I gave you the way to do it. And we wait for God to do it instead of being proactive in, in our breakthrough. Like, God, just do it the way you did it. He's like, I, you, you've put yourself in this... Uh, he, he, I think sometimes he leaves us there because we put ourselves there the same way that Elijah put himself into the cave of woe is me and, and, and God shows up in the, the very small things. You know, he's fed by the brook. He, he has water. He has food. But it, it, we want God to show up in this mighty way. God just, oh, you know, Elijah did it. God, fire from heaven, boom. Fire from heaven burns up everything, the water, the rocks, everything. But God showed up to Elijah, what, the next way? It was a very quiet, small moment where God showed up and what did he do? He renewed his strength. He renewed his mind. He renewed his spirit. So if Elijah gets 
two things from God within a short period of time where he prays and fire comes down from heaven. I've prayed a lot of times and I've never seen fire come down from heaven. I'm just saying. That would be really cool. I'm just saying. If I could go back in history, I'd love to just watch that. Fire come down from heaven and then he's like, oh yeah, by the way, kill all those 400 prophets of Baal. God showed up in a powerful way in Elijah's life and he had confidence. But then some things came in, gets a little scared, and then he runs off and hides. But God, then God shows up again to renew him by feeding him physically. And then, he, and then he renews his spirit and feeds him spiritually to bring something back inside of him. And then he goes back to Ahab and he goes back to Jezebel and he goes, oh, by the way, I'm back. And Ahab's like, you troubler of Israel. He's like, darn right I am because you're leading him in the wrong place. So when God moves in Elijah's life, he gets fire from heaven and a still small voice that shows up in his life. This, this very un, you know, he's like, he's like rocks and wind. He wants to hear something powerful. And God's like, by the way, I'm right here. Don't expect God to show up in the pillar of in the, this fire from heaven every time when God shows up in multiple ways in Elijah's life. And those are just two examples. Don't limit how God can move in your life by showing and saying, God, you did this. I need you to do this. Don't enshrine the past so much that you keep God from working in your life. It is not God that's, you're not stopping God from working. You're hindering yourself from receiving from God because you are expecting him and you're trying to control how he's going to work. God will move when you give him the freedom and you release yourself to allow God to work. So I, today, as we pray, if you're, if you're in that conversation with God and you're dealing with something and you need restoration, healing, whatever it is, just say, you know what, I give it. Like, there's times where, I, and I, I've said this to other people, I'm like, there's times of service, I'm like, I don't care what you do, God. I'm just going to let you do it, and I'll just ride the wave. Sometimes we just need to ride the wave of what God is doing and sit back and enjoy it. And you'll be like, oh, where are we going next? Joe, just enjoy that. <laughs> enjoy riding that wave with God instead of saying, where are we going to go next? No, just enjoy that time with God and just say, God, whatever you do, however you do it, I don't care. I'm just going to allow you to do that. And for some of you, you're like, I can't do that. Well, we got to learn to do that. We have to learn to allow God to move and just say, whatever you want, whatever you need, however you want me to do this, I will do this. It is not my will, not how I want, but how you want God, how you desire for us to be Receiving from you is how I will submit myself to you. Let's pray, God. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Sarah. Well, I'll do announcements and stuff now. We're just going to pass the bucket. We know we're giving. We know that it is built into the kingdom. So I forgot to hand that to you, one of you. So um, go ahead and pass the buckets. Uh, before we get into announcements, Jordan actually had a word that went along with that, and he sent to me, and I'd just like him to come share. That would be all right?
All right, so um, I had this word back in uh, January, um, but I felt like it went well with what uh, Matt was speaking at, at the very beginning about um, our church and whatnot, and the people that kind of flow through it and flow out and whatnot. So, <clears throat> sorry, <coughs> dying on some water earlier. <laughs> okay, revived church is an oasis in a town and area full of wickedness, and through Christ as His servants, we offer those a drink of comfort and peace. Some stay with us shortly before being recaptured by the darkness that surrounds us, but that hope and drink of living water stays with them for an eternity. While those that end up staying all become servants to those weary souls in this oasis to help provide the rest of those just passing by while constantly being filled with the rest, we tirelessly yet rested provide for those who need us fresh cool drink the most. And we have pioneered this desert and we will reclaim it and replant the trees of righteousness and fill the streams and lakes with peace and comfort. That's so good. That's so good. I love when you said we pioneered this desert and now it's an oasis. That's good. Come on. I just love it. God speaks to all of us and I just I also thank you for you get that word and then you ask God for the timing. So that's that's important, isn't it? So, awesome. Well, we got a couple announcements for you. So, deep dives. So, we make it really easy for you to participate. You don't have to show up at a location, but you can just um, get on WhatsApp. If you're like, I'm not on WhatsApp, you can have someone will help you get connected. See Jordan after if you're not on there and you're like, I want to do this class. And we'll send you the link. And so basically we have a class together. You know, it's it's um, online and it's really fun. And you get to ask questions. And we learned a lot of stuff. Jordan taught last week. And it was, it was really good about understanding how to interpret the Word of God. Um, some things are literal. Some things are parables. And I, I learned a lot and I really enjoyed it. So if you guys want to have something midweek and you want to learn and you want to grow, this you want to be part of this. So get on the WhatsApp and then we'll send you the Zoom link and you just show up Thursday, 7 p.m. It's a lot of fun. You always learn something. There's always fresh revelation. So that'll be this Thursday, 7 p.m. Um, the next thing is revive youth. So you guys don't have a youth connect this um, month. So this is your Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope in a future. And you guys know we want you guys to have the word of God on the inside of you. So if you get that, see all of, you know why they're all taking pictures of it? Because when they memorize that word, they get blessed with a gift card because you know what? We want to bless them when they know the word of God because we want to know that they're prepared. So all the kids are up there. Leave it up there so if they need a picture of it because the kids are hurry, mom, get a picture. Like I need to get, I want to know the word of God. So that's your guys' memory verse um, for up there. And I don't have any other announcements. So, um, all right. Well, you guys, there is donuts for you today in the, I know you guys didn't know about that, did you? Surprise. God's always surprising. So, um, Definitely grab a donut, say hi to someone. We will see you Thursday online at the Deep Dive. If you need help with that WhatsApp, see Jordan. He'll be, you'll be up here after service. So, all right, you guys have a great week.